This morning I mentioned the uh, the roll call that's made in this chapter. Uh, it's often referred to as as the roll call of faith. The chapter is referred to as the chapter of faith, oftentimes. And and tonight I want to look at whether or not we would be on the roll call if if it was made today, whether or not we would be on the list of God's most faithful if that list was made today. And I dare say that that we all aren't where we should be. I said, no, I don't. I don't dare say that we wouldn't be on it. I try really hard to be faithful in everything that I do and say. But I can do better. And with God's help, we all can do better. Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be at your house again this night. God, thank you for the wonderful day that you've blessed us with. God, thank you for the things that you've given us that we're not even appreciative of. I pray that you'd help us so we could see our dependence on you in a greater way. God, that we could see our nothingness in a greater way. And we could look to you for guidance, for strength, and for wisdom. God, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look into your word. God, that we could be spiritually fed. That we could leave here saying that it's been a good place to be. God, thank you for the songs, for those that wrote them. God, for the gifts to play and to sing. And the ability to come before you and to worship. In spirit and in truth. Be with us throughout this service. Most of all, for being lost one among us this evening. Pray that this could be the hour that they could accept Christ as their Savior. Amen. Thank you for Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. I'm going to read that verse one more time because me and Brother Randy got hung up on it the other day. Neither one of us will quote it exactly right. So I'm going to read it one more time so I don't get it wrong again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The writer of Hebrews had a particularly interesting way of of wording things that makes them a little bit more difficult to understand than normal. Uh, in case any of you missed English class last week, this is not the way we talk today. Uh, this is not the way we begin sentences with the word now. But if you think real hard about it and you look at it for just a second, we can we can kind of decipher what this is saying. And, and whenever I look at it, I see a definition for faith. Because it says faith is... And this morning we talked about what Christianity is not. I want to tell you a little bit about what faith is not. Faith is not hoping and pleading and begging and then trying to do it yourself anyway. Faith is not claiming to have faith in God, but then trying to succeed on your own without Him. Faith is not believing that God can do it, but having a backup plan. Faith is praying for rain and carrying your umbrella out anyway. Faith is praying for rain and planting the seed because you know God will deliver. Faith is trusting and believing. And faith is by works. Faith is not temporary. Faith is forever. Whenever we have belief coupled with faith, then we have something that is unshakable. Something that is unwavering. And whenever I look at this verse over here in the margin, my Bible kind of... Uh, helps with the, the definition of it. It says faith is assurance of things hoped for. The Bible says that it is a substance of things hoped for. But whenever we think of substance, you think of something that is tangible. Something, something that you can have, something that you can grab. And faith is not always something that you can hold in your hand. Amen. But faith can be measured. Does that make sense? 
Faith is not something that we can, can, can grab a hold to, but faith can be measured. Wind is not something that I can reach out and touch, but it can be measured. How is it measured? By the effects that it has on the things around it. Wind is measured by how much it blows one of them little things that looks like it's got spoons welded to it that turns round and round. It's, that's how wind is measured. By how fast it turns that little thing. Our faith is measured by our life, by our works. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the proof of things not seen. We understand that the wind exists, and I know it's an elementary example that a lot of people have heard all your life. But you can't prove to me that the wind is blowing until I see something moving. If I look out at the trees and they are just as still as they can be, there's nothing that you can do to convince me that the wind is blowing. It's not going to happen. If I can't see evidence of it, I don't believe in it. Is there evidence of faith in our life? In my daily life, do I have evidence enough to convince the world around me that I have faith in God? And I'm not saying that, that we should all go out and, and not wear a mask and defy the world. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we should have faith enough to believe in God that He'll take care of us. I'm saying that we should have faith enough to believe in God that through it all, if you hadn't heard that song yet, it's a great, wonderful song. It's called Through It All. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. God promises us that if we obey Him, that He would take care of us. Amen. We obey Him through faith. We don't obey God without having faith in Him. We can't believe in God without having faith in Him. Because my eyes have never laid sight on God. But I've seen the evidence of Him. I've never audibly heard God talk. But He's spoken to me. I've never seen God in person. But I've seen the effect He has on life around me. I've seen the effect that He has on hearts and minds. I've seen the effect that He has on people. I've seen the effect that He's had on our country. And oftentimes we see the effect that the absence of God has on things. When I was studying this, this chapter in Hebrews, couldn't figure out what exactly I wanted to read. And so whenever I wrote it down, I, I said Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 40. Throughout this whole book, uh, excuse me, chapter, it says by faith. And then it goes through several men and women, people of faith in the Bible. People that we often think about as, as being special. Having a special place in God's heart. Having a special place in history. Preserving the human race. Noah's in there too. Whenever we think of, of these people, we, we think of warriors of the faith. We, we often think of them as being superhuman, but they weren't. I'm not going to say they were people like me and you because they probably had more faith than we did. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go, obeyed 
and went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned, looking for a city. Through faith Sarah received the strength to conceive a seed and was delivered a child past age. These all died in faith. Verse 13. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. What are we guaranteed in this life? Death and taxes. What are we guaranteed? 100% in this life. We're not guaranteed to have to pay taxes anymore. There's ways around that. We're guaranteed to die. We're guaranteed to have the option to only die once. We're guaranteed that death will come. But we're also guaranteed that we'll have the opportunity to trust in God. We're guaranteed God and we're guaranteed death. Beyond that, there's not much that we're guaranteed in this life. If, if the year 2020 has been an example, we understand that anything can happen. That used to be something we'd say for fun. That used to be something we would say to pick on each other. Not anymore. Now we understand that things can get worse. Things can go wrong. Things can become a, a, a place that we don't even recognize anymore. When I went back to school, I was excited to see the kids. and A couple of them were excited to see me. Most weren't. But they all had masks on. Never thought I'd see that. Ever. And then 2020 came along. I only get to see the kids twice a week. I teach shop. I can't teach welding through a computer. I never thought I would have to try. Things have changed. I never thought that we would have a transmitter putting the transmitting the service into a vehicle. And the people would be scared to come into church. The people would be unable to come into the building. That revivals would be canceled. But we're in a time that, that it has. We're living in a day that that people are afraid to go to church. We're living in a day where where church is closed, but the dollar store stays open. We're living in a day where people wear a mask and go to Walmart, but don't come to Sunday school. We're living in a day where people send their kids to school, but they won't send them to Sunday school. We're living in a day where people will read anything but the Bible. We're living in a day where people will say anything on social media except something that presents God's Word. We're living in a day where people will will talk to anybody about anything except God. We're living in a day where everything is relevant except faith. Where everything is popular except faith. Where everything is right except faith. And we place our faith in a lot of things. When you think about it, we place a lot of faith in the mask that we're put on. If we believe masks work, then open up the country. Let things go back to normal. If they don't work, don't wear them. It, it should be simple. But we place faith in masks. We place, we place faith that the virus cannot jump seven feet. Excuse me, six feet. But it can jump six and a half feet. We place faith in, in, in hand sanitizer and, and alcohol. We place faith in doctors. We place faith in politicians. We place faith in people. I'm going to use the old comparison that before 2020 everybody used. We place faith in the church pew whenever we sit down. 
Because nobody in here tested it before you sat down. I watched. Nobody tested the church pew. Just plop down. We live in a faith. Uh, excuse me. We live in a world where we put faith in everything but God. If there was a roll call in the year 2020, would I be in it? If there was a Hebrews chapter 11 for the year 2020, would my name be found? Or would I be the one that didn't have faith enough to go to church? Didn't have faith enough to pray to God and ask Him for my needs rather than the government? Do I have faith enough to depend on Him for spiritual and natural things? Do I have faith enough to believe that He has control over a virus? Do I have faith enough to believe His promise that that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose? I want to read of one particular person down in verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11. Most of these throughout this chapter are very, very notable names. Going from Moses to Jacob, Joseph, Abraham, Noah, Enoch, Abel, Sarah. But down in verse 32, and I think it's here for a reason, they don't go into depth on these names and tell you everything they did. But verse 32 says, And what shall I say more? Excuse me, what shall I more say? We don't talk like that today either. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Listen to this. Who through faith, through faith, listen to what they did. This is like the, the plaque that's on the wall at the Hall of Fame. Here it is, right here. Through faith, verse 33, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had the trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned and sawn asunder. They were tempted and slain with the sword, Wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and tormented. These people, these people went through it. But look what they accomplished. I love verse 38, and it speaks volumes, and, and I, we won't even be able to scratch the surface tonight. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. They were regular people like me like you but they had extraordinary faith ordinary people with extraordinary faith God has a purpose for each and every person here God has a person for uh, excuse me a purpose for each and every one of his children but if we're going to accomplish his purpose we have to have faith we have to believe that he's capable not every person on this list is is perfect Rephrase that. Not anybody on this list is perfect. But they all have their faults. 
We can pick out a few of them. We're not going to do that, but, but they're people. And I believe that's the reason the Bible recorded their faults. That's the reason it recorded it, to, to, make them, to make them look like they're human and not superheroes. Because whenever we talk about Hebrews chapter 11, they're referred to as the heroes of the faith. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Judges in chapter 11. We're going to look at one of these just for a second. Judges in chapter 11, in verse 1, we see a man that was an outcast. We see somebody that the, the rulers of the nation had no idea who he was up until this point. He became a judge of Israel. He rose to a leader. He made some mistakes. But he was used of God to lead his people to turn away the enemy, to turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jephthah of the Gilead, Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. He was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons. His, sons, his wife's sons grew up. And they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. God's called people as Israel. Beyond that, the commission and the opportunity for salvation was sent to the Gentiles. That's us. But Rusty talked this morning in Sunday school about us being grafted in. We're sons of God because we accepted His Son. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different sins. We come from different places. Here, Jephthah came from a harlot. He was cast out of his family. But whenever God called him, he became part of a different family. In verse 3, Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob, Tob, and they were gathered vain men to Jephthah, and they went out with him. And it came to pass in the process of time the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the, Elliot, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not you hate me? And expel me out of my father's house. Why are you coming to me now when you are in distress? The elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over the, inhabit the inhabitants of Gilead. This man was called to leadership from the very people that hated him. There are very few uh, media platforms in America today that don't hate Christians. There are very few activist groups that don't hate Christians. But there's one God that wants to use Christians. Amen. There's one God that, that wants to exemplify the love of Christ through the whole world through Christians. And there's one job that He gives the church. To obey Him. Have faith in Him. We'll continue to read of Jephthah and he rose to be a leader. Verse 10, it says, And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be a witness between us, if we do not so according to thy words. They gave the whole army of Israel to this man, the, cat, the outcast, the son of a harlot. 
But it says in verse 1 that he was a mighty man of valor. Continue reading down through chapter 11. And it tells of the battles, even the war that Jephthah won. The things that he did for God's people. And then we find over in verse 30. If you'll turn over and read. Every person has a fault. Every person messes up. Nobody is perfect. This man was used mightily of God, but over in verse 30, it said he vowed a vow unto the Lord. If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth from the doors of my house to meet me. When I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's. And I will offer it up for a burnt offering. I don't know what was going through this man's head. I don't know if he expected a pig to run out of his house first or a goat. But the man got caught up. He made a foolish vow before the Lord. We can mess up and still be considered a hero of faith. We can be foolish and still be considered a hero of the faith. This man allowed God to use him and even after this happened, he offered his daughter to the Lord. If you don't know the story, you continue reading. She was the first one that came out to greet him. And he kept his vow. He offered his daughter as a burnt offering to the Lord. But this man was considered a hero of the faith because he obeyed God. God brought him from nothing. If we look back at Gideon, Gideon was the least of his tribe, the least of his father's house, and he was in hiding, and God called him. We look at Daniel, he was in captivity, and God called him. We look at Moses, fled from Egypt, and God called him. We look at Joseph, sold by his brothers, and God called him. Whenever you get around, I'm not going to say whenever you get around several old people, but whenever people begin to talk about the, the great revivals that were going on in our churches 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, the names of some of the same preachers keep coming up. Said that they were used in a mighty way. Papa used to say there was one person that he would ride to church with every now and then. And before they got to church, regardless of if the road was straight or crooked, the man would bow his head, close his eyes, and he would pray. And everybody else in the car did too. They said that man never failed to pray. Every time. He said they never wrecked. I've heard stories of having to get out folding chairs for the five nights of revival and then having such a great revival to have service on Saturday. You used to hear stories of having to get the carpet changed out because of tear stains. Taking 10, 12, 15 people to the creek for baptism. Do you think God has changed from 50 years ago to today? Do you think the ability of God to use people has changed from 15 years ago to today. So what's changed? If God remains the same, the only thing that changes the people. The only thing that can change is the faith of God's people in Him. The importance of the Word of God in churches, in homes, in communities. The world changes around us at some point. At some point, we have to consider ourselves to be missionaries and reach out to this world. There are several churches that you go in today and 
you can look at the crowd and you can see that in 10 years there's not going to be anybody at that church anymore. There are churches that have closed the doors. There are churches right here in this community that no longer meet, that no longer exist. There are churches that even before the COVID shut their doors. They didn't have enough people to carry on the service. Now God did not change from the the revivals that had chairs out in the aisle because you couldn't fit anybody. God has not changed from then to now when people close the doors. Our faith has changed. At some point in time, we have to depend on God to take care of us and not the government. At some point in time, we have to depend on God to take care of us and not the, the Center for Disease Control. At some point, we have to depend on God for our spiritual food and not Fox News or CNN. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Esther in chapter 4. The book of Esther in chapter 4. Most of you know the story. But in Esther in chapter 4, God put Esther exactly where He wanted her. He put her in the house of the king. Even before all this came about, even before, before Haman got his post, God put, more, God put Esther exactly where He wanted her. If you're here and you're a saved child of God and you don't believe that God can put you in the right place at the right time, you need, to, you need to have a conversation with Jesus. If you don't believe that God can use you to do great and mighty things, then you need to have a conversation with Jesus. If you don't believe that God can use you to change the life of you and the things, the people around you, you need to have a talk with Jesus. And if we as a church believe that God can't use us to change the world, then we need to have a talk with Jesus. Because our faith ain't where it should be. God used one woman. God used her uncle, Mordecai, to change the world. In Esther in chapter 4, verse 13. Esther in chapter 4, verse 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not that thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Haman had convinced the king to as a sign of decree to hang all the Jews. Esther was a Jew. God's people were the Jews. At this point in time in history, if the king signed a decree, that was it. That was, that was law. And it's not like the laws today where you can break them and no big deal. It was, it was law. It was legit. And here the king signed a decree to put to death the Jews. If we don't believe that God can take care of us as his people, we need to reread the book of Esther. Because here his people faced essentially extinction but God had a person exactly where he wanted her and he had a person that was allowing him to use her in a mighty way Mordecai said think not that thyself shall escape in the king's house more than all the Jews verse 14 for if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise in the Jews from another place but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Now I'm going to simplify this a little bit for my sake and for yours. Mordecai is saying, if you don't let God use you, he's going to use somebody else. If we won't let God use us, he's going to use somebody else. If we don't do our part for God, he's going to use somebody else. His work is not going to end. Regardless of how many churches may be closing their doors, God's work will not end. He may use somebody else. 
You may use a different manner, a different platform. But, but if the church closes its doors, God is going to use somebody else. If we won't let him use us, if we won't submit, if, if we won't witness, then he will use somebody else. And we'll be destroyed. And we will miss that opportunity. The bottom verse 14 is absolutely beautiful. And who knoweth whether thou art come to this kingdom for such a time as this. I love reading that. Because every day I'm sitting in school about to pull my hair out because the kids have been little knotheads all day. What if I'm there for, for such a time as this? What, what if why, the, the reason they're acting out is because they need somebody to tell them they love them? I'm there for this reason. During the COVID, when churches begin to shut down, the world gets to see how essential churches are. If the world is watching me, do they see church being essential? Or do they see it something that I can do if I have time? Do they see Bible reading as essential? Or something I can do if I have time? You read the posters and the signs and the Facebook posts, pray for our first responders, military, nurses, all essential personnel. We need to pray for Christians as well. More essential than, and I'm not saying putting down on anybody. They need God's help as much as we do. But it is essential for Christians to continue to have faith in God. Whenever we have prayer, we pray for the hurricane victims. We pray for the COVID victims, those misplaced, those affected. But if we don't have faith that a God can take care of it, and our prayers hit that sheetrock and don't go no further. If we don't have faith that God can make a change, then our prayers stop at the sheetrock. That's as far as they get. Because we're not praying for the rest of the church to hear our voice. We're praying for God to hear the needs of our heart. And if we don't have faith that He can help us, if, he don't have, if we don't have faith that He can heal, if we don't have faith that He can take care of, then our prayers are hitting the sheetrock. Because without faith... It is impossible to please Him. Turn back with me if you would to Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews in chapter 11. We're going to read the rest of the chapter. I told you I was getting 1 through 40. Verse 39 says, And in these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided them some better, uh, excuse me, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. These verses and chapters were put in here for our reference. I'm going to read verse 1 and number 12. There's a charge to us. After reading chapter 11, we understand the company that we're in whenever we talk about heroes of faith. We understand the importance of being called a man of faith, a woman of faith, a Christian of faith. And in verse 1 of Hebrews in chapter 12, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. They had the faith, the same kind of faith that we can have if we're close enough to God. They did the same things that we can do if we're close enough to God to allow Him to use us
We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Here we go. The charge to us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That is a charge to Christians. Let us lay aside the faith that we have in other things. Let us lay aside the weight of sin. The the screw-ups in our life are irrelevant once God forgives us. They're gone. They're put away from us. Once God forgives us, that mess up is over. Yeah, we're going to do it again, but hopefully it'll be a different mess up this time. But the mistakes that, that we've made in the past can't hold us back. They can't affect our faith. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The reason that we have faith is because of what Jesus did for us. The reason that we have faith is because of the hope that we have in Him. He is the author, the origin of our faith. And He's the finisher because He has the promises of God. If the role for 2020 was made... If the list of heroes of faith was made, I hope and pray that we could all be on it. I hope and pray that between now and the end of 2020 that our faith could increase. I hope and pray that by by this time tomorrow that I could have greater faith than I do now. And that if we pray for healing, we expect it. Because to pray and to not expect is not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The proof the evidence, the gonna happen part of things not seen. Things that we believe in, things that we pray for, things that we ask for. We may not can see them, we may not can grab them, but the evidence is there if we live our life according to faith. Oh, I have a verse of a song.